Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Chris Boyd, co-founder and CEO of Drink Monday. Founded in 2019, Monday is creating a ripple in the drinking world by providing adult beverages that are full of spirit and free of alcohol. Drink Monday has created the long-desired solution to drink delicious cocktails, socialize without stress, and wake up feeling fresh and hangover-free. Chris is a serial entrepreneur and a problem solver with 19 years of experience generating wins in multiple industries. He graduated from San Diego State University with a degree in business management and has scaled multiple industries, beginning at intern status in a couple of companies, to lead program manager in pharmaceuticals, and then made his way to becoming a CEO of a couple of companies. Chris is making a splash in the beverage industry. Now with his proven ability to build exceptional teams, is a high-performing leader, and is attentive to details. We also, to add into our intro, just found out that they successfully closed on their first round of funding uh, just recently, which is a huge and exciting update that we are excited to dive into. But without further ado, Chris, thank you so much for being here. We're excited to have you on the podcast, my friend. Drew, hey, thanks for that. That's probably the coolest intro anyone's ever made in my entire life. I'll, uh, I'll have to bring you around everywhere I go now. I got you, man. I'll be your hype man. Everybody needs Please. a good hype man. That's right. I really do. I really do. I'm just this quiet introvert and I just kind of <laughs> do my own thing. I got to I gotta speak up when, uh, when we got some wins to, t- to uh, talk about. And you've got some wins to talk about. So this is a good time yeah. to be on the podcast. Uh, so it. let's start. Let's start with how this whole thing got started. Why, when, where, what, what was, what led to you starting this company? Yeah, man. So, um, you know, probably not unlike most entrepreneurs, you know, I, I, I had an experience. There was this little light bulb moment and kind of an opportunity and, and deciding to, to kind of take the plunge. Right. So kind of, you know, let's take you back January, 2019, um, working in consulting. So uh, I, I previously I did biotech and pharma work inside corporate, um, eventually kind of migrated into the, the consulting side of it. So the outside okay. helping the inside. And so I was doing that, you know, it's 60 to 70 hour weeks. It's, um, it's rough stuff, right? Very type A, like you got to be on top of your game. You're only as good as your last deliverable, like, you know, that kind of life, very entrepreneurial yeah. in that mindset. So, you know, January, it's my birthday, it's early January, it's a Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'm out with some friends getting a couple drinks. And, you know, a few of my friends stop and give me some shit. They're like, you're stopping and and asking the bartender for water after your second drink, you know, and, (laughs) and I was like, yeah. And they're like, you know, I'm turning 38, right? I, I wouldn't consider that like a special age or anything like that. They're like, you can do whatever you want. Like, it's your birthday. Like, let's get some shots. Let's do this. And I'm like, no, man, like, I can't feel like shit tomorrow. I got to get on a plane. I got to pitch the C-suite. Um, you know, I got to get this next contract done. And not only do I not want to do that hungover, like I, I kind of refuse, right? So I'm, I'm this go-getter. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, you know, it's just like your job security, the, the pride you take in, in the quality of your work, you know, all that kind of thing. I wanted to hit the gym before I get on that plane. Um, I'm not doing any of that stuff hungover, feeling sluggish, didn't get any sleep. So I'm just kind of like, no, man, I'm not going to do that. You know, so I just 
maybe tucked that away of like, man, this bartender is serving up some mean gin drinks. And like, if I could have 10 of these, but not feel like crap or, you know, I really don't need the effect of alcohol at this yeah. point in my life. Yeah. You know, like I would keep drinking these. Right. So I'm like, why can't I have that? You know, mm. so just kind of maybe tucking that away. Right. And I'd say March rolls around, um, you know, I'm at the gym. I run into a co-founder, Ben, uh, gym goer, serial entrepreneur too. And, you know, he's got four young kids at home and his hands are always in three to five brands. We always just shoot the shit and just talk, right? Uh, every time we see each other, what are you thinking about? What are you working on? I'm like, man, I just came off this, like this, this really stressful consulting gig. He's like, what are you thinking about next? And I was like, honestly, I'm thinking about taking a sabbatical. Um, but, you know, I'm like, what about, what about drinks? What about alcoholic drinks that don't have alcohol in them, but they still have that complexity of flavor? I, I call it an adult flavor profile, right? It's, yeah. it's got depth. It's got layers. It looks the part. It's made by a professional, you know, all of those things. And kind of like, what about that? And he, he kind of stopped me before I could get my whole spiel out. And he's like, dude, this is it. Like, I've been thinking about this too. Like, you know, we're, we're both kind of these go-getter types and entrepreneurs and want to, want to be, you know, sharp in the gym and, and good in the rest of our lives. We're at the point in our lives where we do drink heavily. It's two days, right. To, to get over a hangover. And, That's right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you're sacrificing a few hours here for two days of your future self's life. And, and it just didn't seem worth it to us. And, you know, so we, we basically, Ben is a, is a master digital strategist, online e-commerce kind of background. I've got your on the ground physical, you know, in a past life, I worked in um, nightlife and promotions in downtown San Diego, um, done a number of things in the bar industry. So we kind of went our separate ways to do our own research, him online, looking for keywords, looking for online trends, um, seeing what, what else is happening in the world me doing similar things, but with on the ground people talking to, to um, like beverage directors, bartenders, um, people in industry, just seeing like, hey, is this a thing? Are, are you being asked to make lots of non-alcoholic drinks? Um, are people ordering and demanding these things? Um, so we, we kind of just did this on our own, came back a few weeks later and, and basically cobbled together the idea that like, there is a there is a movement and there is a huge trend here happening. Um, it's it's starting in other places. EU and the UK hmm. was was kind of rising there, and we're seeing it kind of start on the east coast and, and make its way west as as some trends do. So we're we're kind of like, man, we're early. We could be early in a really good way, or we could be part of something that's a hit and a miss, right? right. If we decide to jump in, and so it's like, hey, naturally. Um, what, what else is out there? There have to be other products. Let's try them. If they scratch our itch, maybe we just go away and we become a consumer of that product. Right. So we, we bought what was there, um, again, mostly from overseas. So we imported a couple bottles of things and, and checked them out and, you know, they, they kind of look the part, they, they have a good story. Um, they, they take you through a certain journey. And, you know, you, you get to the part of actually tasting the product. And, and at least for, for us, it was pretty disappointing being gym mm. lovers, um, just kind of going like, oh, man, this isn't this isn't what I thought it was. Um, and we're just like, you know, 
can this be done? Right. Cause we, we hadn't come across a product that really got it right. And, you know, we, we basically said like the, 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 I guess the, the tailwinds here are saying like, if we can nail this, there is a market for it and we would be early and we would be one of the first entrants into the U S market. So kind of like, well, you know, I got a couple pennies saved up in my piggy bank. Um, maybe I can take the plunge here, kind of get on the ground, um, get the business going and, you know, let, let's see if we can find a distiller. So, you know, before even forming a real company, we're just like, let's make some calls. Let's see what people who make alcoholic drinks for a living say about this, if they can do it, if they can help us out, you know, so that's like April. We're getting on the phone. I probably called 80 to 85 different distillers, West Coast, um, US, Greater. Um, probably got laughed off the phone 84 times. Wow. Um, yeah. So people are just like, you know, this is a joke. Why would you take the best part of gin out of gin? And, you know, I was like, well, to me, it's not the best part. I, I actually enjoy the taste of gin. And many gin drinkers will tell you the same thing, actually. So it's, yeah. it's one of those things. And, you know, so I was like, I, I kind of like it as an entrepreneur. I'm like, I kind of want to be told no, because it's like, you know, challenge accepted opportunity lies ahead. Right. And of course, like others will say, yeah, there's a ton of risk ahead because you don't know if there's a market. And, you know, I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure there is. So I think it was call 86 or so, you know, we hit someone else kind of late thirties entrepreneur, um, owner of his own distillery here locally in LA and um, just gave him the same story. He makes gin and he's an award-winning whiskey maker and uh, you know, hit him up and he's just like, I see the trend too. I love where you're headed. I make gin. I, I kind of understand like, you know, the flavor profile you're trying to hit. No guarantees. I don't know if I can get this done, but I'm willing to take the ride with you. And like, that was enough for us. Just wrote him some personal checks there right on the spot. Wow. Um, and we're just like, let's roll. Let's get this thing going. Um, so really kind of by early summer there, we, we had some, some liquids to try um, and they were, they were pretty good. They were, they were a solid step forward. Whereas, you know, lowered expectations on first go, we didn't think we'd have much, um, but we, we were probably 80% there on that first set of three. So, you know, over the next six months, we just refined that into, you know, a hundred percent effort, but you know, we made pretty, pretty big strides pretty quickly. Um, then all in the background through summer, kind of forming up a, a co-founding team, giving us some brand chops, giving us some more chops, like on the Amazon front, some, some uh, more digital channels, um, getting, getting some people kind of together, brain trust to really help us like drive this thing forward that kind of know the e-commerce and digital space. Um, and then just kind of leaning on me to kind of just run the house, you know, full time, uh, just being on the ground. So, you know, that, that was a fun experience. I think we, we got the product to a point like coming into the fall, we're like, Hey, let's, let's roll on a Kickstarter. Let's, let's really see if this is going to be a thing. We, we need to see some traction. Um, we need to get people excited about the product. Kickstarter is a great place to do that. Right. Mm. So, you know, launch that um in the holiday period 2019 um we're super excited to kind of see people you know really like grab out the product and you know i think we hit our goal in 48 hours we ended up like 150 percent past our goal when it's said and done wow yeah so 
that was awesome. Um, I'd never been through a Kickstarter experience before. It's definitely like, um, like just pulls you in and, and requires kind of all of your time and, and focus and fantastic experience. Um, you, you build that community from the start. And I really think that's what it takes for this young space to get going is like, you, you really got to find your community. You got to build them, foster them, make sure you're taking care of them um, as you go here. So that, that was a great start. You know, we, we got bottles out to them in January and December actually um, got some good feedback. So Kickstarter is great for giving you initial feedback before you go to market. Also made a couple tweaks, updated the label, um, you know, ready to go and, you know, boom, COVID hits. Right. So oh. that was interesting, you know, launching in the face of COVID. Um, I think we were a go. So we went, we didn't know what to expect like everyone else, of course. Um, so we had this, you know, I think, mid-April or so, we went into market. Um, so I think we got all, the best part of it. all that. online? Yeah, we went all online. So direct to consumer and then Amazon. Um, that's really our bread and butter. So, you know, I think strategically that worked out on the sales side for COVID, right? Sure. So everybody's going online. That's great. Um, I think maybe the thing talked about less is the, the absolutely horrible part about going in with growth at COVID is, good luck getting inventory, right? So supply chain is shattered. Everybody has shortages on everything. So there's this mad dash of like, we basically sold out of goods. You know, I, I'd say I had six months of inventory that was gone in six weeks, um, which is everyone is like, wow, that's fantastic. But it took quite a few weeks to beg, borrow and deal for raw materials for, I think we were fighting with big alcohol at one point for raw gin materials. Like that's wow. how bad it was. And I'm like, good luck getting ahead of some of the big players in Alc to get gin materials. So that was an, that was an interesting experience. Um, I think there was like um, strange stuff going on, like a shortage of cork from Portugal and it only comes from there, you know, like interesting things that, that, uh, you know, again, I'm glad I, I went through it. I'm glad we survived. We're definitely better for it, but it was, yeah. uh, quite an experience, um, to say the least, but we managed to scale pretty quickly. Um, definitely, you know, doing pretty well this year. We, we, or last year we had, you know, one, one product the whole way, just really leaning in hard with gin. That was like our bread and butter. That's what we knew. Um, we knew other gin drinkers. We, we knew how to interact with them. Recipes come easily. Um, it's just something near and dear to our hearts. So um, just kind of pulled through there. And, and I think once we started to see so much traction and getting in front of some of our supply chain things, like, you know, it's like, hey, we, we need to scale this thing. We need to grow. We need to expand. We need to reach more customers because every time we can get them to maybe drink a little bit less alcohol, we think we're improving their lives and the lives of, of the people that surround them in mm. some small way. So, you know, it's, I think it's a combination of like, let's look at spirits that, that are, you know, more popular amongst more people to really fulfill that idea of reaching more folks. So, you know, thinking about whiskey. Um, so whiskey is actually launched this week along with our, our fundraising close. Yes. Um, That's yeah. my drink of choice. Cool. Yeah. We'll have to get you some. I'm, I'm super excited. Very American style. It's got a little bit of a um, little sweet and a little spice. Cool. Got some kick in there too. It's it's beautiful. So um, 
you know, all those things kind of have been coming to fruition after working on, you know, probably for a year or so. So it's, um, it's been a long time coming, um, kind of along those lines, you know, really starting in Kickstarter is really this community back look and feel. So, you know, we, we had been fundraising for quite a while and, and we've gone down, you know, kind of more conventional routes before, um, negotiating with lots of different groups, you know, private and professional money. Um, I think in the end, we're just like, we got to go back to our roots. And we get so many customers kind of asking like, hey, how can I be involved in a, in a deeper level? Like, I want this. Or, or people in kind of the sober and sober curious movements going like, I want this to be a real thing. And I, mm. and I love what your brand stands for. And, and kind of, they kind of recognize like, this is, we're in this tipping point of like non-alcoholic beverages could be a real thing or it could go away if we don't foster it and grow it the right way. So people want to get involved. They want to help. They just made sense to go kind of crowdfunding, you know, through equity crowdfunding. So we use Republic as as our platform and, and you basically just anybody with 150 bucks and a credit card can actually become a co-owner of your business. Um, you have this beautiful campaign page. It's very transparent. Um, everybody can just know whatever we're up to, how we're doing, um, and get involved. And, and not only do you get the money, which is, you know, of course, one of the key objectives there just to fuel this, this ride that we're on, um, you get brand ambassadors and you get them. These people are like, they're, they're going to talk about you like no one else could, right? You, you sure. couldn't pay brand ambassadors on the street to do this level of engagement, right? Because they're just like, hey, friend, hey, family member, like, let me tell you about this company I own. And I'm going to tell you why you should be using these products and all this. Like, they're going to be our, our, our brand leaders in the space and really evangelize, like, not only the community and the movement, but, but hopefully Monday as well. So we're really excited about that. Um, I, I think I've become a believer, like I'm a huge advocate now of, of equity crowdfunding. If you're an entrepreneur with something that's public facing, like I can't think of a reason not to, right? So the SEC just raised the ceiling of what you can raise on equity crowdfunding to 5 million also. So wow. chances are if you're, if you're startup size, that's, that's more than enough to, to get you going. Um, it's extremely transparent and very direct and it just feels authentic. If you're, if you want to really reach your core group of people who are, who are your customers, your community members, your supporters, like that is the avenue to take. Um, I can't think of a reason really not to do it or, or at least strongly consider it. So how many people, um, how many people ended up going in on that? Yeah. So I think we ended with right around 1350 or so investors and, um, you know, think of the, that many brand advocates. And, you know, if we, even if we do a half-ass job of, of kind of motivating those folks, because they're already motivated, right? So I'm thinking equip them with some, some tools and some techniques and, and, and a little bit of brand story and, and they can go out and just do their thing and, yeah. and talk about us. So um, we already kind of see that it's, it's um, it was great. You know, the, the first couple of weeks of the campaign, it, it lasted three months. So, you know, first couple of weeks, we already have people kind of coming out of the woodwork. They're like, Hey, I invested. I found you on LinkedIn and, and I'm the owner of, you know, hospitality group that has five restaurants. Like I want you in my doors now, you know? So we're already seeing things like cool. that happen. And, 
I'm like, wow, this is so organic. We haven't even, you know, done anything to, to uh, kind of stoke that fire yet. So I'm, I'm super excited for uh, what lies ahead. Heck yeah. What you've done an amazing job of breaking into an industry that most didn't even know existed. Well, that's not true. The bigger industry everybody knows exists, <laughs> but that you're finding your way inside of that and been able to find true believers, uh, early adopters, people that are excited. How did you find and foster those relationships? Yeah. So, you know, I think it took for, for us just being one of this group, right? So there's, there's just this whole trend coming up that, you know, I think dry January really became mainstream here this past January in America. It actually started in the UK um, several years ago. Okay. So it, I, I think it's just this idea that like people want to be on occasion more mindful of the amount of alcohol that they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's where the dry January is, the dry July is, the sober October is, you know, Joe Rogan is big on sober October. Yeah, sober October. Yeah. So, you know, I think those are all just chances for people to maybe check themselves a little bit and go like, oh man, like, you know, I hit last summer hard rolling into October. Maybe I'll, you know, take it easy because the holidays are coming up and, you know, sometimes those are, those are heavy drinking months for people. So I think it's, it's just this idea of like, Hey, maybe I need a break or maybe I can take the edge off by looking at non-alcoholic products. And, and I think, that's really the onset of where products like ours, I think, fit a need. So what we're seeing from people, and again, this is people telling us we, we don't like to tell people, um, you know, you go through the motions of your five o'clock favorite, right? So you're, you're, you're off work, you got a little bar cart set up and, and you got your favorite glass and you got a certain bottle of a certain something you're pouring in here and you're mixing, you're going through the motions of making a cocktail. If you, you know, people who use us instead of alcoholic gin, for instance, for their gin and tonic, like they kind of tell us like, it tastes the part, it looks the part and I'm doing the same motions. I'm getting the ritual that I need and I still feel relaxed afterwards. So the effect of alcohol after a few weeks of that is lesser so and lesser needed. And we see a lot of people coming out of say dry January just recently, they're making it like, you know, a sober February, or they're like, Hey, you know, I, I took an extra two weeks into February. And that third week in February, I had two drinks and I stopped because I didn't really want it or need it. And as long as I have something that, that kind of scratches my flavor itch, yeah. I'm finding my brain is kind of like, Oh, I got what I needed from that. And I don't have to. So I think, you know, COVID and, and lockdown and, and all of those various types of things, people staying at home, being interested in like setting up their own bar carts and making their own drinks, maybe set up some new rhythms and patterns for people of like, oh, hey, like, I just like certain drinks and, and maybe I'm not being influenced by others around me as much or being pressured to drink when out at bars and there's no good alternatives. So maybe there's an opportunity there. People are are starting to set better behavior patterns for themselves. And, you know, hopefully it was COVID, you know, we're we're coming out as a country of it. Um, Getting into bars and restaurants, I think is super key. Um, You know, beverage directors, I think are taking note. We're seeing lots of people saying, I need more inclusive options for other types of diners and drinkers. Um, And, you know, giving people those options. So when they're out, they're not feeling that pressure to drink alcohol. Because yeah. they have an adult looking and tasting drink with 
their fellow, you know, their fellow friends and they feel like equals and there's none of that getting called out stuff or, or any of that. I love that, man. I'm on board. I, I'm excited to try, try this out. I mean, I, same thing. Like I actually don't like drinking more than one or two. Cause I don't, I don't enjoy the feeling as weird as that sounds. I don't enjoy the feeling of, of actually being drunk. I'm like, I yeah. want to relax and I want the taste and a good time. But like I have three kids, 36, right. I say right. it's like, I don't really want to get drunk and pound water before bed and all that kind of stuff. So right. you got me, you got me uh, very, very interested, my friend. Uh, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's, it's interesting too. So we, you know, we've done our research and we we're initially thinking like, Hey, younger generations, they are, they are very well known to be drinking less than ever. And, you know, they actually picked up, maybe you and I learned this after years of drinking that we don't want to do that anymore. These younger groups, I would call maybe smarter than us because they didn't go through those same motions. They didn't have to learn by example. And they're just straight up not doing it. And they're just like, I'm seeing, you know, so I think they're more social media focused. They want to be in control because they don't want to be ridiculed, made fun of and, and have their embarrassing moment recorded on social forever. So it's this feeling of wanting to be in control, not wanting to be embarrassed. Um, also seeing how others act when they're drunk, again, probably on social and just saying like, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be known for that. So it's, it's kind of like a, a fear of being memorialized in the wrong way, which maybe us back in our drinking days, there wasn't as much of that. Right. I mean, it was a bad, it was bad, like uh, camera phones at, at best, in those days. so <laughs> best. you know so maybe maybe that's um that's an interesting take but you know i feel like most people at, at at some point in their lives are just like you know i've had enough and we hear a lot about you know in covid lockdown it's like people are you know binge drinking at home oh, yeah. alone and you know it you know in a bad place we hear from them a lot that they're going to come up for air at some point two three weeks in and just like i need a break like i realized i was in this deep dark hole um i can't go cold turkey but i would love something like your product and you know so we we become a solution for them um definitely not saying we solve their problem you know they, they might go into to another you know kind of low point but definitely if options like us you know are more prevalent people can pull themselves out, you know, in an easier fashion. So just being it. available to people, I think, um, you know, is a good thing. And um, we're not going to be all things to all people, but I feel like this space, this industry is here to stay and it needs to be because it, it really has an opportunity to help people with, with whatever they're going through. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I want to take a, a, a little bit of a pivot and talk uh, about you and dive under your hood for a little bit. So it's clear that you're obviously very health conscious. You, you made a priority even in those early days of cutting the drinks off because you got to get in the gym in the morning. You're a hard charger. Uh, I'm curious for you, do you have kind of a, a daily uh, routine or certain habits that you really come to find as important and critical for your overall, whether health, happiness, or even ability to perform? Yeah, um, man, that's, that's cool. I'd say... Um, you know, health and fitness focused, right? So, you know, I try to eat clean. I'm a competitive person by nature. So, you know, I think, um, I feel like once you're, once you're out of college, 
you say you played sports all of those years, there's really nothing for you in the adult world. Right. And so I kind of went through this lost phase. And in my twenties, you know, I spent a lot of time partying. I was, I was in the nightlife having a good time, Um, you know, kind of dried out into my thirties and then maybe grew up. I I don't know that I've ever grown up, but maybe (laughs) just more realized like, Hey, there's some professional things that I want to attain to, but I've, I've always had that, that, you know, athletic, slash competitive nature and you know I think about nine years ago so around 30 you know walked into a CrossFit gym pretty much changed my life right so it it really scratched the itch of like wanting to be healthy and fit having my mind kind of challenged with fellow competitors in Mm -hmm. the gym Mm -hmm. having it there's so much variety and so many movements to learn and to master things that you'll never be amazing at but you can always get better at so something to work towards um you know and then there's the the community and camaraderie and um one of the things I didn't expect that that I loved about that space is like everybody is generally very entrepreneurial too so I've met most of my entrepreneurial partners and co-founders in CrossFit gyms uh, my whole life so that's pretty cool um so basically we have this this crew um you know, at my gym, we're always there three to five every day. And um, that's something I try not to miss. Um, I, I even block it out on my calendar and just like, how do you run a startup when you have those two hours blocked off? I'm like, you know, if, if I set that precedent up front, it, it's going to happen. So yeah, just kind of, that's my, that's my time to like, just break away from what I'm doing here in the business and, and just work hard in the gym, be competitive there kind of takes my mind off things and and relaxes me in a way, even though it's like, it's difficult and intense and and heavy and all that stuff. But, you know, it's like a never miss there. There's always like, uh, there's a lot of gym people that are like, you know, never miss your Monday because you'll mess up the rest of your routine, you know, staying healthy and whatnot. So in that mindset, it's like never miss that three to five window for me, kind of no matter what's happening. So I'm I'm pretty good about that. Like 99% of the time um, I'm always there and, there's, there's four or five others like us, other entrepreneurs and business owners. The owner of our gym is, is one of our, you know, one of our workout buddies. And, you know, we all hold each other accountable and give each other shit if we're, we're not showing yes. up and bringing the A game. Oh, man. So similar. When I started my company, I, mine was from two to four. So from yeah. two to four every day, uh, same group of guys working. I needed to get back in shape. And it also ended up serving as like an anchor like that day would often be so wild, like either a high or a low, depending on what had happened that day. But I had that consistency of like, but I'm showing up here and I right. know I'm making progress here and I get some encouragement from the guys and uh, that kind of thing. It's just can't under, can't overstate actually can't overstate yeah. how important that was. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, again, the surprising thing with my gym too is like, Hey, we're in North County, San Diego, very entrepreneurial focus. So when I'm running into people at the gym too, like between workouts, between sessions, like we're just chit-chatting about what we're up to. And, you know, so now like my international logistics partner is one of my workout buddies. Um, <laughs> two, two of my workout buddies are actually investors in Monday. Um, you know, it, it's just like, it, it's, it's very close knit. And, yeah. you know, some would say you need, you need some space there, but I think like I've committed to like, I want all of this here with me. Um, you know, so it, it's just really about accountability too. Of yeah. like, hey, I'm I'm seeing those people in the gym it means I got to do a good job with Monday. Like, it's all intertwined. I want I want everything in harmony. 
um, which you could say maybe is a high risk approach, but it's also a, a high reward approach. Oh, for sure. For sure. Have you found anything outside of the uh, physical habit and investment of exercise to help you? Oh man, it's, it's pretty much like my only serious hobby, I'd say. So, you know, in terms of just being disciplined with work, right. So I, you know, I try to block my times out. So there's certain times where like, that's for thinking only. And unless the world's on fire, I don't want to hear from you. So it's just like, Hey, I got meeting blocks. I got working blocks. And then I got quiet time that, you know, no one should interfere with. And I think it's, um, it's definitely hard at this point, you know, we, we are still a startup. We, we do have some money coming in, but really still today we're, we're very much like you got to do strategy planning operations at the same time. And yep. that can be difficult, right? It's, it's uh, no company is really set up to do that long-term, let alone a single human. So I try to block those off as best I can. And, you know, with the onset of some help, I can offload some of the things that, that maybe I don't need to be hands on the keys doing, and I can yeah. spend more time thinking. Um, yeah. So what you found come out of that, that thinking time? I know that's actually a, another tough one that some people, some entrepreneurs have a hard time regularly making time for, cause it doesn't, it's not immediately as productive as maybe the work, you know, you need to get to or the meeting you need to have, but what right. have you found the value in that time? That's, it's more free space. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, that's interesting. So I, I would say on the structured side, make time, at least for me, I have to make time or it's not going to happen. Right. And, and, and my mind will just go in whatever direction that it was headed. So make time for it, block it off. Once it's blocked off and you're kind of in this fence that you built for yourself, like truly to your point, like let it be free, you know, think about where the company is headed. Think about things that aren't on fire. Think about, you know, six, nine, 12, 18 months out. Yeah. What does that look like? And, and what do you want it to look like? And maybe you could run some exercises of like running that back and saying like, Hey, am I on that right path? Um, what are we, what are we doing today? That isn't serving that idea. Mm. Um, you know, I think, it's easy to come up with a three-year plan, mission, vision, values before you have a product or a service and you're, and you're off and running. And we did that. Um, it's really hard to come back to it once you're in the shit. And once nope. you're in the midst of it and you're just like, where do I make time to think about this? And, and the answer to that is it's on you to make time for it. And, and no one's saying like, literally, if, if you can't ship product because there's an issue, I'm not saying like, don't go handle that. But I'm <laughs> yeah. saying like, fix that shit and then make time to go over and, and just still have that thinking time. Yeah. Um, it's definitely use it or lose it, I would say. So if you're not making it a priority, and it's funny because I'm, I'm talking to myself when I say that, like, if you don't make it a priority, it's not going to happen. And, you know, long term, your company will suffer as a result. You won't feel it today or tomorrow, but um, you might feel it sooner than you think. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. I know, you know, for me, there's like a series of questions that if sometimes the free space, my mind already goes somewhere that was super helpful. Other times I'm like, I need, I need some help. Like what should, what, what could I be thinking about? And I've just found a few questions. So like one, I did this with a guest the other day on the podcast would be, Hey, what is the thing we're shooting for as far as we can see? Maybe that's 18 months. Maybe that's three years. Maybe that's 10 years, depending on the maturity of your company. And I'll, I'll imagine that and say, all right, if we're to actually get there, 
let's do a creative exercise. And I'm going to ask myself, what, what would be the one thing I think really allowed us to get there? Right. Like if mm-hmm. we were celebrating, what's the one thing I would attribute more than everything else that got us there. And then I'll flip it and go, if we were to fail and fall far, far short of that goal, what's my instinct telling me went wrong, you know? Mm. And often it'll help me like almost see the danger. I didn't know that I did know, you know, yeah. like, Oh, yeah. we forgot about our customers or we didn't figure this thing out. And then you're like, well, well then we're just going to, we need to focus on that now because right. my instinct is telling me that could lead to us not getting there or, this actually is the key for us getting there. And I've just found questions like that to help kind of stimulate that thinking that's not immediate focused, right? Right, right. I, it's super smart. I think, um, you know, a, a former boss in consulting liked to say like, you need to make time to look up and look around. And I think that was coming from a place of like, when you're a consultant, you're in the weeds for another person's business. And you can think even at, at a founder level, you know, you can be in the weeds of your own business and, and just not even realize what's passing you by and what you're not yeah. thinking about. And it's like the things you're working on may not even be relevant if you don't look up and look around on occasion and, and yeah. you're just missing the whole point. And you're just like, oh, work for work's sake. And, you know, as entrepreneurs and founders, you can't do that. Right. So yeah. that, that's a, that, that's probably a, you know, a corporate worker who's just working their nine to five. And, and I've done that. And you can definitely check in and check out, but you know, when, when you're running the show, there, there is no room for that. So, you know, I, again, probably talking to myself, like as soon as you can, you know, you're capable, you have the funding, you have the resources, like you need to offload some of that weed stuff and maybe just take a look at it on occasion, but you really need to, to move yourself into this mindset of like, my job is to always think about what's coming next yeah. and how to prepare for that and making sure the ship is steered in that right direction. Um, or else you're, you're, again, you're missing the point. You'd be working all this way. Turns out you're going in the wrong direction. You're going <laughs> yeah. to the wrong destination. Yeah. And you know, there, there's no going back from that. Right. So it's yeah. kind of, it's like getting of, up in that uh, crow's scary. nest of a ship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who's up there? Somebody's got to be up there, like looking out. Are we going the right direction? <laughs> you know? Right. We can't right. all be down on the deck, you know, taking care of the boat. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's, uh, I love that we're talking about it because I, I need those constant reminders too. Same. I'm so sure do there's I. others out there. Um, we fall in love with the work and we fall in love with maybe this niche piece of our business. And, and you can spend a little time there because it is your business, but man, you can't make that your focal point. Like your focal point's got to be the, the, the whole encompassing thing. Yeah, that's so good. All right, I want to ask you uh, another more specific personal to you question. But uh, so outside of this, I run my company and my company, we do coaching for leaders, for executives, for that kind of thing. And so hmm. often as a performance coach, I'm getting asked by people, how do I stop a bad day? Right. So they start hmm. to realize there's two versions of themselves. There's the one that shows up focused, full heart, energized. They're kicking ass and taking names. And then there's days that they kind of slide and they start, whether it might be anxiety or procrastination or they're just off their A game. And so I'm curious to you, what do you do when you feel yourself off your A game, right? Like you woke up on the wrong side of the bed or you got a a challenging email or something that just kind of crap. It it made me ruminate on that and get scared and whatever. Like, do you have anything that you found that helps you? mitigate that and maybe even turn the ship back towards you being on center yeah oh man 
I feel like this already happened to me this week. Um, I think everyone's going to have to try some things to figure out what works for them. And, yeah. and it sounds like I even need to, to maybe participate as a client there. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think about um, now that I'm on the outside, I'm not having a bad day. I'm having a good day. You know, when you have a bad day, I think you think it's the end of the world, right? And mm. it'll never end. And, you know, if you can think about minimizing the amount of time you're in that pain space and doing yeah. what you need to do to get out of it and, and not setting an expectation that like, oh, I'm wasting my time. I'm feeling bad. I need to get out of it like right now. Like, oh, five minutes goes by. I'm not out of it. And then that anxiety builds because you, yeah. you got this timetable in your head. So I think it's like, all right, I'm going to try. I, I acknowledge I'm in the space and I need to get out of it. And I'm going to try to do that as soon as I can using a couple different tools. And, and I think just acknowledging that you're in that space, number one, is yeah. probably the most powerful thing you can do. Um, trying to minimize the amount of time that you're in that space. And, and I think, you know, so today, or not today, uh, this week, I, I kind of got in that space. And basically, I, I, I got, I got something bad at night, uh, like a bad email. And it, and of course, I knew that was going to make me not sleep all night. Yep. And I was thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> I think in retrospect, I should have stood, I, I should have gotten up out of bed, disturbed my routine. And maybe wrote down all my thoughts and feelings about that and, or maybe even replied to that email if it was, um, you know, if I was in the right headspace, but at least yeah. like get out all the shit that you're thinking about. Cause I basically spent all night thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah. And now you're waking up with no sleep, um, you know, and, and kind of crashed out. I actually felt hungover, even though I had no alcohol cause I, yep. I felt like I didn't sleep and I was stressed out and, and I was cloudy that day and, and just not sharp. So I regret that. I think I, I would have gotten out and just, just blab it out on paper, type it out, you know, yell into the night. I don't, I don't know what it ever takes to, to get that piece of stress off of you. Um, I think writing it out in that instance, cause it was an email and I had feelings about it and I wanted to, to address it a certain way. So I think resolving it in my brain to give me some rest allowed me to do that it took me the first morning after I woke up to, to actually do that exercise. And then I took a nap and I promise I got some work done in between Dude, there. Why but... do you have to caveat that? Who gives a shit? You, <laughs> might, you needed a nap. <laughs> yeah. So I took a nap. I went to the gym and I felt like a new human. And, exactly. you know, I, I got a few hours in before dinner to knock out everything I needed to knock out that day. And I feel like I was back to even, Right. Yes. So before that bad instance happened, which, which I feel like I was in a good spot. So my turnaround time was basically a day. Yes. And I think if I did that nighttime thing and just got up right away, my, my interval time there would have been cut in half. Like I, I, maybe I got to bed at midnight or one woke up fresh and I would have had that whole day yeah. to crush, but I lost it because yeah. maybe I didn't act the way I thought I knew how. So you know, I'm sure everyone else will have certain things that they need to do to, to, to feel right or get right. But, you know, think about that cycle time and how important that is. And, yes. and you know, I even think about, it, it probably gets worse for people who have, you know, say teams of 15, 20 people that report to them and, and you need to get to them there. Luckily, I wasn't quite there um, 
you know, we're not quite there yet, but um, maybe I got lucky in, in that yeah. specific instance. But for your training, so yeah, you, everything's relevant, right? So like right. that's why things. That's why you you're pregnant before you have a baby, right? <laughs> and then why the thing is located to a crib before it's allowed to crawl around with outside the crib is like life has kind of given us this growth ability to train where you're at for the next season. Right. right. And so you're doing, you're doing it already saying like, all right, the pressure is on me at this point. How do I go ahead and manage myself? As I learn to manage myself, that's going to be an ever increasing journey with new challenges and all new seasons and whatever, but then I'll be able to help other manage other people. Right. As I lead myself, right. I'll learn to lead other people. Um, but man, what you did really well, I want to just, cheer you on on this one is most people get into a funk and they know it's suboptimal they're like all right clearly i'm going to perform better when i mm. feel great when i'm thinking clearly when i feel centered when i feel passionate and confident and i'm not going to perform as well when i'm out of my my game but then they start getting anxious about that right yeah and that's what you said you it's almost like and so the approach is how do i stop feeling this way and that usually is a counterintuitive uh, sorry, that is a counterproductive approach because now we're fighting a feeling and right. we're creating anxiety about the feeling. Like you're like five minutes. I'm still, I'm still not productive. I'm still whatever. <laughs> Instead, yeah. if we just stopped and asked ourselves, what do I need right now? Mm. Like it's a very human question. Right, that, yeah. And we just say, whether it's anxiety or frustration or anger or insecurity, and we stop and say, what are my emotions telling me I need right now? Do I need to vent? Do I need to walk away and clear my head? Do I need to process this out loud? Because like you're right, when we write or we talk, we take an internal reality and we now share it externally. And so it lives, maybe not fully outside of us, but it lives more outside of us, even if it's just yeah. on a page, right? And so maybe I need a call to a friend. Maybe I need perspective. Do I need, is there a founder, my co-founder? Can I call him and let me give him, give me perspective so that I am seeing this clearly? Because if I feel like I'm a failure and I've let this customer down and whatever, right? right? And I've just found my clients get what they need faster. And if you get what you need, it starts to resolve the symptoms, right? right. And so it's like, dude, just give yourself permission. Even like you realize you needed a nap. I'd rather you go take a nap and get back on your game later than be tough and push through it and drag the rest of the day and not be yourself in your meetings and not be yourself you know, at your workout and that kind of thing. Right. So right. instead of stop feeling this way, asking myself, what do I need? And then mm. you might like this as well. My neuroscience friend, I, I went through a season where anxiety got me so bad in my entrepreneurial journey that I started having panic attacks. So this is why huh. I focus a lot on this because I saw where it could lead. And then I had to work my way fucking out of it. And I hit like, I panic attacks were the worst thing I've ever experienced. It, it was and it just felt like your brain was betraying you, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was like, how do I measure my progress? Like, this feels like it's going to be a little bit, little bit of a journey to get out of this. I need a mm. better way to measure it. And he said, with things like that, that aren't like uh, money on a page, like you need metrics. And the metrics he gave me were intensity, duration, and frequency. Mm. I'll, go, I'll go over that again. Intensity, duration, and frequency. Intensity, how intense was it? Like did, it, like, did it knock you off your game? Were you a little bit anxious on a scale of one to 10 or were you at a 10, right? Mm. Were you a little insecure or like crying and I don't think I have what it takes insecure? Like that, so you can measure intensity. Then you can have duration, which you already talked about talking about. Like that lasted for a day. Or you might say, man, this used to knock me off my game for three days or a week. So you can measure, well, it used to be a week. Now it's only a day. It used to be a day. Now it's only a morning, right? And then the last one is frequency. Does this happen 
once a week? Does this happen once a month, once a year? And he's like, if you start looking at whatever you're trying to get progress in and more of the mm-hmm. emotional and the state, he's like, just look at your intensity, duration, and frequency. And I bet you're going to be encouraged where you've seen those things change over time as right. you've applied yourself versus did I have a bad day or not? He's like, that's misleading. That might've been one bad day that wasn't nearly as intense, didn't last as long and wasn't as frequent as it used to be. Right. Um, so is that helpful? It's super helpful. Um, you know, the other, other thing I would say is like kind of one of the tools I'd use, you know, again, assuming we're having a bad day professionally is um, really going back. And like, I think I'll try to surround myself with reminders of like why we're doing this yeah, and who yeah. we're serving. So we have some amazing testimonials and, and I actually think it's less about the product and more about we're in the right market and space because we're serving people, helping them live a better life. And they don't, you know, they talk about the product and, and the product's great. We don't need to talk about that. They pour over their story about alcohol and how products like ours are really helping them from going back into that deep, dark hole with alcoholism or, or problems with drinking in general. Yeah. Or, um, you know, touching a family member who's had problems and now they can be more part of their community and, and their family. Um, I'll go back to those of like reminders. And, and I think it's like, a, hey, how, you know, maybe intensity, duration, frequency, I would say like, how monumental is this problem in the grand yes. scheme of people with problems? And, you know, just trying to give perspective to my brain of like, what you're dealing with is significant to you, but it's insignificant in the grand scheme. And maybe you should just like take that perspective and chill. Yeah. You know, and it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to punish myself as saying like, you don't deserve to feel this way because there's other people in pain, but like, take it in perspective. Like what, what you got going on is, is actually good because you care so much about this business and, and the people that you're serving that, but just maybe just take a step back yeah. and chill and, and relax and get centered so you can help them. Because right yes. now, what, where you're at, you can't, you can't be at your best and you can't help the most people most effectively. Yeah, it's like, man, take a second, go get that oxygen mask on so that you can re-engage yeah. and help the other passengers. You know yeah, I mean? you're, you're spot on. And I'm sure that's why the uh, directions are the way they are too. Um, yeah. You know, you got to help yourself before you help others. Um, that's actually my platform. You know, one of my other side platforms is like, occasionally you see people say like, what's the most important thing to you in life? And, and most people will say their family. Um, and, and maybe it sounds strange, but I actually think that's selfish. And the most, unselfish thing that can be your number one is your personal health and fitness. Yeah. And that's mind, body, soul. Yep. If you're not taking care of yourself first, you're going to let your family down. You're going to let the people that are below the, in that list down, unless you take care of yourself first. People think it's selfish at first, but when I, when you unpack that idea, it is the least selfish approach. Yeah. Because how else can you help others if, if that's what we're all here to do? Yeah. Because you get yourself in a generative state where you have more than enough energy, right? Right. You have more than enough uh, physicality, whatever. Like I, I was I was 40-something pounds overweight first time in my life. I played soccer and wakeboard and stuff my whole life. And like you said, the adult world wasn't built for me to find things enjoyable in <laughs> fitness. And so I was sitting in coffee shops and eating whatever I wanted, newly married and whatever. And the thing that actually got me was I was realizing how tired I was all the time and how that was impacting my ability as a dad. Cause my right. kids would be like, will you come 
play with me. And I'd be like, no. And I just wanted to like sit on the couch for another second, you know? <laughs> and I was like, man, I need to go and get back to the place where I used to have more than enough energy because when I work out, it gives me energy back. And then I can go and show up to my business. I can show up to my family. And I'm not in that, like, I'm not in that uh, self-protection mode. Right? right. So when you're in a deficit, when you're tired all the time, you're, you're always needing something you need, you need to get energy back. So you protect yourself from committing to that and not giving them too much energy because you need energy. Right. 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 It's a balance. I mean, you want to be a participant. You don't want to be a bystander in your own yeah. life. Right. You're just watching it pass you by. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it is as much as you can be active in your own life and, and the people's lives around you, the better, but that requires some homework and that homework is working on yourself, right? Your fitness, yeah. your health, your mental health, mental health. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's all of those things in harmony too. So you can't go too hard in one area and neglect the other, right? It's just this interesting balance of like, just keep doing, just keep doing, keep improving. Yeah. So good, man. Super inspired. All right, let's get to the lightning round questions. This has been cool. a blast having a conversation with you. Yeah. Number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization as it grows, what would that message be? We're here to improve people's lives. Um, we're not here to make a dollar. Um, we're, we're not here to do cool things in business. We're, we're really mm. here to serve others. Um, you know, and, and that is, that is our reason for being and everything else will take care of itself. If we focus on customers. Love it. Okay. Question number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business now or any of the businesses you've ever grown before? And also what was the worst advice you've gotten? <laughs> um, you know, I think the best advice is for, for growing is like, make sure you're growing for the right reasons. And again, that, it probably goes back to the first thing I said, right? Is just like, make sure you're, you're growing and improving and doing this thing for the right reasons. If it's just for a dollar amount, um, you're probably going to fail in a, in a really real way. If it, you just need something authentic there. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the worst. <laughs> I mean, some of the, I've had some bad advice, uh, and we don't work with those folks. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the worst advice I got honestly was like, you know, you have a great business, but you, you should be in brick and mortar retail. And I was kind of like, you know, and that, that's, uh, yeah, it, funny, digitally focused company doing well, showing growth. Oh, you, you should be on a grocery <laughs> store shelf where you can't tell your story and people yeah. are just going to pass you by and go WTF. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, uh, <laughs> glad you that ignored that one. Yeah. <laughs> especially coming into, especially coming into COVID and nobody's able to go to those stores. Right. Right. Hey, I, you know, I think that's the vision three, five, 10 years from now, but, uh, you know, digital online, you can tell the story, you, you, you can, can educate guide people through a journey, you can educate, you get more yeah. time with them. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's what we're here for. I love that. All right. Number three, what causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization at this point? Oh man. Um, I always feel like I want to do as much as possible. So I guess my, my, my fear is always like, I'm not doing enough to serve them and I'm, mm -hmm. we're not doing enough to reach a wider amount of people because 
we've seen how we can affect people's lives for the better in this kind of small startup growth with you know tens of thousands of customers. Man, I want to reach millions of customers. You know, how do I do that, and how do I not fail at that? Yeah, yeah, totally get it. Number four, what what is your BHAG, your big hairy audacious goal for this company? Oh man, dude, I love that. Uh, I worked for a for a pharma that actually had a BHAG, and and you know, I know I'm sidetracking, but basically theirs was to find the bona fide cure to hepatitis C, which had mm. not existed at that time, and they reached that goal. And I was with them through that journey. It took about ten years. And wow. That is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And, and I love that you brought that concept into here. I think for us, it's helping be one of the leading brands that makes the non-alcoholic market legitimate, global, and touches every person. It's, it's on every store shelf. It's in every bar and restaurant as legitimate items next to alcoholic drinks. So people can just pick up what they want to drink and yeah. interact with the people they want to interact with free of those social stigmas or, or any of that stuff. So I, I want this thing to be mainstream and I'd love Monday to be one of those leaders. Yeah. Instead of getting the side, side eyes look like you have an O'Doul's. Yeah. Why are you drinking an O'Doul's? What the crap is that? You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that should be a thing of the past and, and you and I could be in our rocking chairs and, and just reminiscing. Like, remember those days? And <laughs> That's right. That was a thing. And like, oh man, crazy. Absolutely. Man, by the way, I haven't got to tell you this, but I looked at your website. Y'all's branding and design of your bottle and all that kind of stuff is so brilliant. It's beautiful. Thanks. It's sexy. The messaging is clear. <laughs> uh, just, man, a fan of, of what you guys are doing. You are not the O'Doul's that people are making fun of. I'm looking <laughs> at that like that is badass. So well done on Thanks, that, that front. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're we're doing everything we can to just look the part so we can, you know, be right alongside people and everybody feels, you know, one and the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Number five, this is our fun, creative question. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window, when would you go back and what would you say? Honestly, I would... I would tell my younger self as soon as humanly possible to start doing CrossFit. And I think it started roughly in like the mid to late 2000s or yeah. 2000 zeros. Um, like, I honestly think it changed my life and, and it's, it's helped me meet pretty much everyone that I'm in contact with now. It's helped me start successful businesses. Um, it's helped me foster goals I never even knew I had it really is like kind of that linchpin of like, you know, changing my world of like being a nine to fiver and partying in my twenties into like being this motivated and, and constantly, constantly looking for new challenges type mindset of like, I, I think it really propelled me into like, Hey, there, there is more to life if I'm willing to go get it and work hard for it in the gym or, you know, in the boardroom or wherever I choose to go. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. Love it, man. This has been Thanks, so man. fun. I, I, I even love the timing that we get to be sharing your story and catching this early glimpse of what I know is going to be a huge success. And uh, just, just couldn't be happier for you. And uh, my belief is through the roof and you and what you're doing. And you've got a customer and me <laughs> and a fan on this podcast. So uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. Drew, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time. Let me chat a little bit. I always appreciate it. Thanks. Yes, sir.
Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.